Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, dew sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Hey everybody, welcome to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. This is where we talk to all the interesting, fun people in the world of golf. And we'd like to thank straight away uh, the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended. And lo and behold, Ben Hogan Golf. How about that? The home of the Hogan Demo Program, No Risk uh, or Obligations. And you can find them online at BenHoganGolf.com. And speaking of Ben Hogan Golf, I'm a little prejudiced, I admit it, because I play with uh, Ben Hogan uh, clubs. But thanks to this man, Scott White, he is the president and CEO of Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. And it's a role he assumed back in 200, 216, uh, 2016. Scott, welcome back to the show. Hey, it's great to be back, JT. What's the current state from your chair of the golf industry straight away? You know, it's interesting. Uh, I don't think anybody would have ever thought that the pandemic would have had such a positive impact on, on the game. But, um, you know, we see play and, and, and rounds continue to, uh, to, to grow in, in some areas of the country, um, stay steady in others. So we're you know, we're certainly way above where we were in, say, 2019, pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, the the state of the game is is very good right now, uh, very positive. A lot of new people coming into the game and a lot of people who played it previously and and, and walked away from it for one reason or another have, have come back to it. You know, people who listen to the show have heard me say this before, and I think you and I talked about this briefly in uh, your prior appearance here. After COVID started, It was maybe 30 days, uh, maybe 45. I live very close to two golf courses. And man, all of a sudden, you couldn't get a tee time. (laughs) Yeah, it's exactly the same. I mean, I live in Southern California, but but I'm in Texas all the time where our offices are and, uh, you know, drive by courses and play myself, obviously. But boy, it's hard. I mean, you've got to really think this through the days of kind of showing up at a golf course on a Saturday morning and hoping you're going to get out are sort of long gone. Yeah, I think, I think that's true. So Scott, what does the CEO do of a golf company? What, um, you know, you can, people have these visions, you know, if you're the CEO of a, a bank, you know, they're always dealing with numbers and meetings and reports. What do you do? And is that any different at Hogan than it is, say, at Bank of America? Yeah, I, you know, that's a great question that uh, I could spend a lot of time answering and and probably because I'm still trying to figure it all out myself. But, you know, I think 
I, I think my role is probably very different than the CEO at Callaway or TaylorMade, one of the big companies. I sure. mean, I've worked at those places and they've got, you know, layers of management and, and financial people and R&D people and HR people. Um, and, and, and that's great. I mean, they're able to really focus on the company strategy and, and you know, really look forward. Um, and I get to do some of that, too. But as a much smaller company, um, I'm very hands on. I get, you know, really involved in the day to day activities. I work with our customer service people, uh, R&D team, you know, do a lot of um, discussions with our marketing team specifically. Um, but it's a lot of fun. I mean, I'm very close to golf. I don't spend a lot of time, uh, you know, looking at numbers and, and, and really analyzing P&Ls and that kind of stuff. Sure. Well, do you have a lot of employees at Hogan? No, not a ton. We have about 25 in total. Um, you know, the, the majority of them are hands-on craftsmen, you know, that, that work in our small shop in, in Fort Worth and, you know, are, are putting clubs together on a, on a daily basis. Um, we have, we outsource a lot of our, of our, you know, core uh, business functions. So we, mm -hmm. We outsource some of our marketing, you know, digital marketing uh, folks. Um, we outsource some HR responsibilities. I mean, it really doesn't make sense for us or probably for a lot of companies to have, you know, those folks on staff full time because it's just not enough, enough work to do. And then, right. you know, ultimately, you know, their salaries and compensation need to be, you know, need to be allocated into the the price of the golf clubs. And, and we're really laser focused on trying to keep our overhead as low as we can so we can in, in turn pass those savings on on to uh, to golfers has that worked i know i've been talking about it because i've been working with you now for a couple of years but um i know the people that have talked to me about hogan and they've they've purchased anything from a full set to a couple of wedges were very pleased with one the product but two also the customer service, the delivery times, kind of everything that goes into it. And um, has, has that really made the difference between Hogan and say TaylorMade, for example? Yeah. I mean, our, our, we continue to refine, you know, our business model every day and we, we try to get better every day. I mean, still we, you know, like any company have have areas that we can improve in um, more so than others. But, you know, to answer your question, it's absolutely worked. Um, you know, since we pivoted, you know, from a traditional kind of brick and mortar distribution model to now online only, um, you know, we've grown, you know, 50 plus percent year wow. over year for the last four years. And, um, you know, it's it's people understand that, uh you know, it's the same Hogan that you kind of grew up with and, you know, and love uh, product is always has always been and continues to be, you know, priority number one, two and three for us. So we're still making great products and just selling them differently, uh, selling them online. So the more people that get to know that and, and experience it, the, the better off it is for us. I wonder what Mr. Hogan would think if he was alive today of online sales and things like that. He was, he was a different cat. I mean, yeah. and um, you know, the stories of him 
destroying 10,000 clubs or whatever it was that was a batch that didn't meet his approval and start over and all those things. I just am curious of your thoughts of, uh, uh, of what he might think. Did you, first of all, did you ever get to meet him? I did not. I never met Mr. Hogan, but I met Mrs. Hogan, uh, Valerie, a number of times when I was at uh, Spalding Sports, um, uh, when, when the brand was owned by them and the, I guess it was the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, but it's interesting you ask that question. I mean, we we have uh, a lot of, well, not a lot. We have a number of people that worked with Mr. Hogan directly yeah. um, in, the, in the 60s and 70s. And then, you know, being in, in Fort Worth, we have a lot of people that that knew of him and and uh, spent time with him and, and worked with him when, when his factory was there. And, and there's kind of... Um, you know, a couple schools of thought about what he would have thought. Um, personally, I think he would have been very pleased. He was a really innovative guy on, on many different levels. I mean, mm-hmm. the way he approached the game, the way he lived his life, he was always trying new things. Um, and I think he would have gravitated to, to, to modern business. I mean, the, you know, more and more business is being done online. Um, and, and though, he, you know, he was very committed to PGA professionals. And, um, you know, when he started his company in 1953, he wrote a famous letter saying that, you know, all of his clubs would be sold through pro shops. Um, you know, I don't think I don't think that that business model would work today. Um, right. Certainly we have enormous respect for, you know, PGA professionals, but, you know, very few golf clubs are being sold on course these days. I mean, it's, it's really shirts and shoes and, and golf balls. And um, so, I mean, to answer your question, I think he would have, he would have gravitated to doing business online and, and would have embraced it. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I was in a, pro shop yesterday because i played and maybe three sets of clubs in there um they had some bags with some wedges and stuff in it that uh kind of quick replacements if you will and they're all brand new but mostly demo models and but gone are the days at least in our area where you walk in and there's five complete sets of irons or something on the wall that you could you could purchase, you know, you can order stuff through them if you want to do that, but then you might want to get online and find the same club somewhere else. But with Hogan, that's completely different. And I think that's pretty cool. We're going to be back in just a minute. We're going to take a break here on grilling at the green. We're going to be back with Scott white, the man in the pilot's chair there at Ben Hogan golf. Please stay with us. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. Uh, We are here in Portland on AM 860, The Answer, and on KSEY in Wichita Falls and uh, WEEU back in Pennsylvania, and very soon to be on the Golf News Net uh, radio network, which is a new thing coming out the 1st of February on iHeart. So pay attention. We'll, We'll probably be there. You'll find us. Anyway, we're talking with Scott White, the CEO of Hogan, 
Um, we've had Scott on the show before, and he's always been very, very great as far as telling us what's going on in the golf industry and that there was some news and I was a little surprised, Scott, at the PGA show, which will be wrapping up here in a couple of days. Some of the big guys, Titleist, TaylorMade, uh, Callaway, they didn't show up this year. Um, there's two schools of thought, I think, that either that opens the door for smaller companies or people are going, what the heck, you know? So what's your take on that? You know, it, it's interesting. Um, you know, we never, we haven't been going for a number of years and it's not because we don't support the, the PGA of America. It's, it's because the PGA merchandise show is really a, a sales show. It's meant to uh, be a place where, Big companies can showcase their new products to buyers at pro shops or at sporting goods stores or, you know, uh, golf stores. So since we sell online, you know, our customers are the end user. So so it really doesn't make any sense for us to be there. But, um, you know, I think what's what's happened is, you know, since they canceled the show for at least one year, and it may have even been two uh, because of COVID, right. you know, I, 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 I'm just speculating that some of the larger manufacturers said, hey, you know, it, it hasn't had any impact on our on our sales. I mean, if you look at the, you know, some of the big guys have had record sales years the past few years as more and more people, you know, get back to the game of golf and, you know, just said, hey, it's an expense that that we don't need to incur. Um you know, the other thing that's always been or recently has been a challenge, and I've been to 30 PGA shows over the years, <laughs> wow. um, but, you know, the, the timing is is not ideal for equipment manufacturers. So, you know, typically most of the new product introductions are done in, in Q4 now, you know, in, in yeah. September, October, November, and um, and then you know they, they begin to ship them in, in in January and February. So late January, uh, the 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 news is already out, and, and so there's you know it's just an it's just an become an awkward time uh, for for the big manufacturers. You know, it's interesting you say that. My family was in the retail business for a long time, um, small store in comparison to today, uh, but. When we were buying our spring stuff, we were buying it in September, like you were saying, you right. know, when we were buying our Christmas stuff, that was like in May and June, we were right. or ordering, you know, whatever we were going to have on for winter time there. And um, I've seen trade shows before. I've never been to the PGA show, so I can't make a comparison that way, Scott, but I've been to trade shows before on things I've been involved with where eventually they kind of peter out, if you will, and just become more of something that's just open to the public, not particularly in our case, the retailers, right? It, it was just people who could walk in off the street and, and they're still going, but I don't think they have the effect that they once had. Uh, and that's yeah. just me. Yeah. I, I think, you know, that's a good, a good observation. I think, you know, Again, I don't I don't know what the PGA of America is thinking, but I certainly think that there would be some benefit to making it, you know, um, you know, it's it's a pure trade show right now. If they made it 
you know, maybe a trade show for a day or two and then a consumer show for a day or two, to, you know, so golfers could come in and, and potentially have it at, you know, multiple locations throughout the year. Right. Um, I think that would be that would be fantastic. I mean, it would certainly be great for the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company if we could, you know, get our products into golfers hands. That would be that would be fantastic. Oh, sure. And and I notice I I don't know how much you do this, but of course, I read a lot online and different comments from people and some of the people that have smaller businesses, maybe they make some sort of putting aid or grips or whatever. They are constantly grousing about the cost of the event for them going up, booth space going up. Um, I know some people that they actually are splitting a booth like three ways because it's cost prohibitive for that. Yeah. I can tell you it's, it's uh, eye popping how much it costs, not, not just the space uh, to, to exhibit, but um, you know, when I was at some of the larger companies, you know, the travel budget to have all of your sales reps uh, in, in Orlando for a week and, you know, food and hotels and airfare. And, uh, and then quite honestly, you look at the, the missed revenue by, by having everybody there and, 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 you know, your sales reps not out on the road, uh, right. you know, selling. So it, it is, uh, it is a very expensive proposition. Um, it, it's, uh, it's one that I think golf equipment companies and even, even the smaller uh, manufacturers that you look, you talked about, you know, really take a hard look at these days. Um, we've got about, <clears throat> excuse me, Scott, we've got about two minutes before we got to go to break here. There was some questionnaires, if you will, on social media from you guys about bringing back the Hogan golf ball. Have you thought about that anymore? Uh, yeah, we've thought about that quite a bit. Um, and we've actually done a lot of prototyping and, and, and product development work, um, uh, we, um, I don't want to make any promises, but sure. it's something that we'll probably, um, uh, embark upon here. I, I just don't have a, a sense of timing yet. I want to, we all want to make sure that the product is worthy of Ben Hogan's name and not just another me too product. Um, and, and so we're continuing to develop and refine and, uh, it's, it's certainly high on our radar screens though. Something we, we think would, you know, be a natural extension to our, uh, our, our premium golf clubs that we sell now. Are the prototype tests going really well? Yeah, they are. We've doing, we've done a lot of machine testing, um, to date and, uh, are doing a little bit of, of player testing now. Um, what I really want to do is, is, is get a better, um, more data from, from players. I mean, certainly you can tell a lot from machines in terms of spin rates and launch angles and distance, obviously, but, you know, I want to get real player feedback before we, uh, before we embark on anything. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking with Scott White, CEO of Ben Hogan golf and Scott and I will be back in just a minute. Don't go away. You're listening to grilling at the green. Hey, it's JT, and this part of Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Ben Hogan Golf. Check them out online at benhogangolf.com. One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock rock. Nine, ten, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock rock. We're going to rock around the clock tonight. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green here on uh, KPAM AM 860. The answer, KSEY in Wichita Falls, WEEU, soon to be on Tulsa and some uh, other 
stations out there. Reason I kind of hesitate to say that, Scott, is because we've been approached by USA Radio Networks. My other show, my barbecue show, is on USA Radio Networks, but they're very interested in bringing this show out. Um, And I asked them why, and they said, well, you just don't talk about fixing the golf swing and stuff all the time, and you're not always talking about the personalities on the tour. I thought, well, that's cool. You know, yeah, that's that's a great niche to have. I mean, it's uh, it's it's very interesting the 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 topics that you talk about. So yeah, well, I just kind of whatever rolls into this head usually comes out here, and then sometimes <laughs> I get in trouble. Uh, also, forgot really quick. We need to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended, and our friends here at Ben Hogan Golf, who we're talking to Scott White today. Two are quality clubs at factory direct prices. BenHoganGolf.com. If you want to email us, it's really easy. You can just send uh, golf at SalemPDX.com like that. I was going to tell you that uh, I've had this is the second year going on my second year that I've had the the clubs that you sent me, and I love them. I, I really, I, I mean, I'm a walking endorsement for you up here because first of all, people see that bag and it says Hogan on it. And then they see the clubs and they're black, of course, because we kind of tricked them out. Just yesterday, I had a guy approach me at the course and say, what are those? I said, yeah, they're, they're Hogan's. He goes, oh, online. I said, yeah. He said, do you like them? I said, I love them. So anyway, I just, well- just thought I'd tell you that. Well, I'm glad. I mean, it still amazes me. Um, and obviously I'm way, way close to this, but after four years, um, four, four and a half years at this, uh, in this new business model, um, you know, there's people that still, A, don't even know we're back in business. Uh, and and we've kind of pivoted to a, uh, direct to consumer business models, but, you know, it's usually um, people are are pretty surprised. And, and, and then again, pretty excited when they, they hear we're back and they realize that, we're just really continuing upon a great legacy. So uh, it's, it's fun when you hear those kind of stories. You know, it, it's funny. I had, I was on another show who I shall not mention the name of nice guys. I know them very well. And they said, what are you playing? And I said, I'm playing Hogan's. And we were on a video thing like this. And he kind of, one guy kind of tipped his head. I said, I learned to play with blades. Okay. And then I went to pings and they were great clubs. And I've, I've uh, got some Cobras and, you know, they're kind of calf back deals and they're fine. But I went back to playing with blades and he goes, nobody plays with blades anymore. I said, oh, yeah, they do. And I'm one of them, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of he kind of shook his head at me and I said, try them. You'll like them. They're you know, they're kind of like uh, Doritos or something. And believe me, Hogan will make more. Um, has the supply chain issues had any effect on Hogan? Oh yeah, it's it's been a <laughs> to be blunt and honest, it's been a bit of a nightmare. Um, uh, I it just wasn't something we really anticipated. I don't think anybody could have, but uh, yeah, we've had a lot of challenges getting components from various suppliers and vendors. Uh, you know, mostly overseas, where everybody has most of their components made these days. Sure. But, you know, there's there's such an increase in. Um, in demand. So the factories are, are, you know, working 24 seven, whether you're talking about forged heads or, or shafts or grips, but then, you know, the shipping uh, challenges that we've had are, you know, com- compounded. You can't get the product here um, from, from overseas or Mexico, wherever it's being made. So, you know, we're trying to source as much as we can locally in the U S um, 
And, and if not, we just have, have planned on much, much longer lead times. Um, it's really required us to do a much better job in forecasting uh, demand. Do you think we'll ever go back to the point where things were manufactured here in this country? I see more and more of that happening, um, you know, certainly on the shaft and the grip side. Um, the heads are a little bit more difficult and, you know, it's a huge, huge capital investment to build a factory to, to manufacture golf mm-hmm. club heads. Um, you know, somebody might get into that certainly and, and, and probably have a pretty nice little business. Um, the other challenge we have, and it's unfortunate, um, but I'm sure there are ways around it, is, you know, there are just so many environmental issues um, with with um, the manufacturing of, of golf club heads specifically. And, you know, the United States, rightfully so, has so many regulations in place that it would it would be really expensive to open up a new factory, um, A, and then to build them in a way that's environmentally safe and sound would probably add a lot of cost to the to the product. Sure. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a tough deal here. It's a good deal for the most part, but uh, it's tough in this country. What's the hardest thing about your job, Scott? The hardest thing about my job is 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 keeping all the balls in the air at the same time. As I said, you know, we're a pretty small, pretty nimble company, which I really like, and I like to be hands on. Um, but you know, we even a small company, we have to do all the same things that a big company does. Um, you know, with with fewer resources. So we spend. Um, you know, I, I work a lot of hours. I'm not complaining about that. I actually like it a lot. Um, but, you know, it'd be it'd be fun. It'd be nice if we had uh, a few more people on board so I could actually get out and play golf once in a while. <laughs> now, do you I think I asked you this a long time ago. Do you keep a set of <clears throat> excuse me, a set of clubs at home and a set of clubs in Fort Worth? Oh, yeah, I've 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 actually got clubs sort of all over the country at this point. And, and it's not it's by by uh, not by design. Um, you know, I, I do a lot of the product testing myself. Not that I'm a great player and and not all of our equipment is for great players. We have a lot of, you know, clubs designed for, you know, serious but less accomplished players. That's sure. how I would quantify myself. Um, but, yeah, I've certainly got a set at, at, at my home. I've got a set in the office in case we decide we have to, you know, have an emergency nine after work someday. <laughs> and uh, I've also got a couple of sets back east where I'm from, from sitting in my my brother's garage or my in-law's uh seller so i don't have to lug them across country so yeah there, there's a number of hogan sets around the country there you go i would think it would be much to your benefit when you come back from one of those emergency nines and you say you know hey this 50 degree wedge needs tweak and they can just take it down to the factory floor and fix it for you yeah that's one of the real benefits of this job <laughs> is you almost have your own you know a personal tour truck you can uh <laughs> Take your clubs in for tweaking or, uh, you know, talk to the designers. It's it, that that's the, the part of my job. I really love the most. What's um, what's the best part of your job? I've got a lot of great parts of my job. I love being around the game of golf. I love uh, I love the people in the game, whether it's, you know, our customers to, um you know, the people I interact on the equipment, you know, our suppliers, uh, I just, I think the game of golf just attracts a, a certain 
type of person. Um, that's a generalization, obviously. But, uh, you know, I have I can count on one hand the number of negative experiences I've had with people in the golf industry over the past 30 years. Um, you know, the other thing I really do like a lot is, you know, I love being a part of, of the Ben Hogan company because I've always been, even when I was a young kid, I was so infatuated with everything that Mr. Hogan did and yeah. the way he approached the game and the way he overcame you know, obstacles, including his, his tragic accident. Um, so just being a very, very, very small part of that is, uh, is, is really satisfying to me. Now, now, Scott, I've never been to your office in Fort Worth or the, or the plant there. Do you have a, I don't know what, I don't want to call it this, but the only word I can come up with this morning shrine to Mr. Hogan there. Do you have any of his artifacts, so to speak? We do. And we don't necessarily have a, a display area, but we've got a lot of um, things that, that folks have sent to us over the years, some things that we've acquired on our own, uh, just being around Fort Worth. I don't know if I've told you this story, but we had a really interesting experience. I think it was two summers ago where a, a woman rolled up in front of the building with a old beat up pickup truck, and she had a couple of old wooden chairs in the back. And we all thought that she was you know, looking for the dump or, you know, was yeah. just looking for a place to get rid of this stuff. And she told us that she used to work with Mr. Hogan. And um, these were the chairs that he had in his office. And uh, when the company moved in the seventies from Fort Worth up to um, uh, Virginia for a short period of time, they, they got rid of a lot of the furniture and she, she kept these or bought these and uh, just wanted to bring them back to the, the, where she said they, they rightfully belong. So, you know, we still have these, these old wooden world war two era chairs in the office and, you know, can kind of picture Mr. Hogan sitting in them. And there's a lot of fun little mementos and artifacts sprinkled throughout the facility. That's pretty cool. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to be back with Scott White, CEO of Ben Hogan Golf, right after this on Grilling at the Green. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey, welcome back to Grilling on the Green here on AM860, The Answer in Portland and KSEY in Wichita Falls, WEEU in Pennsylvania, and the Golf News Network. We're talking with Scott White today. Um, Scott's the CEO of Ben Hogan Golf. Scott's a veteran of the golf industry. He's worked with Callaway and TaylorMade and Adidas, or I should say it right, Adidas. Isn't that that's, correct? That's correct. That's how it's pronounced in Germany. Yeah. I got, uh, I talked to, um, one of their designers on the show for golf shoes a year or so ago, and they were very kind, but they said it's pronounced Adidas. And I went, Oh, okay. So yeah, now I, when you, when, when you talk to somebody about it, you say, Hey, I see you're wearing Adidas and they look at you like you're from Mars because they don't know the proper pronunciation anyway. Yeah. And I, I didn't know the reason behind that until I started to work there. And it's because of the, the founder's name is Adi Dossler. Yeah. So, uh, that's, that's how that came about. Yeah. Pretty interesting. How different is it working for and being the head of a company like Hogan versus when you worked at, at TaylorMade or Callaway, one of those? Um, 
It's it's significantly different. I mean, you know, when when I worked at Spalding Sports and then at TaylorMade and Callaway and, you know, other larger companies, you know, things are fairly structured. I mean, you you kind of um, have very specific responsibilities. Um, you know, it's very formal. Um, you know, you have meetings and and you know, a lot of people are involved in decisions. Um, and you know, very very you know many layers of management, let's say, before before decisions get made. And that's that's good. I mean, we, they don't make many mistakes. Um, at our place, we have a, we have some guidelines and, and rails in place, guardrails. People know what they're supposed to do. Certainly the uh, the finance team isn't designing golf clubs per se, but um, it's, it's a lot more collaborative. Uh, we have fewer meetings. There's a lot of um, you know, hallway conversations and discussions, things get done much, much more quickly. Um, so we're very nimble. I mean, we, we can change on a dime and make decisions quickly. And, and that, that's a lot of fun. That sounds like fun. So personal question, Scott, do you ever sneak down to the factory floor and tinker with clubs yourself? I do. I love making golf clubs. I, uh, I'm not good at it. It's a very, it's an, it's a fine art I've learned, especially the way we make them. Cause we don't, you know, we don't mass produce anything. Everything's right. made to order. So I've observed some of the older guys, um, you know, and looking at how they do it. Um, I really am fascinated by, you know, grinding the soles of clubs and that's, that's true artwork. I mean, to sounds like it would be easy. It looks like it's easy, but it's, it's not easy. I can tell you that. Um, but yeah, I tinker. And I love to mess around and figure out how to swing weight things. And um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a bit of a hobby of mine. I, I, I tell my wife at some point when I retire that I'm going to set up my own shop in a garage and, and uh, work on golf clubs all day. I bet she's happy about that. Oh, she's thrilled as long as it's not in the house with her. <laughs> Looking back, you've had, a, you've had a great career in the golf industry. And we'll talk a little bit more about this in the after hours, but you've had a great career in the, in the golf industry, industry, Scott, what do you think is the biggest thing you've learned or has had the most effect on you and the way you do things now? Yeah, it's changed a lot. I'm not that old. I'm 59 and I've been doing this since I was, uh, I guess in my, my mid twenties. Um, um, I, I really think the key thing I've learned is that, you know, certainly in the golf industry and probably in any industry for that matter, it, it really boils down to personal relationships and, and communications with people. Um, you know, the world has changed. You know, when I started in the industry there, you know, when I was coming out of school, there was no Internet. Um, yeah. Everything was kind of done face to face, a lot of handshakes and a lot of trust. Um and, and there's still a lot of that in the golf industry. It's, it's still a very um, old fashioned industry in that regard. Um, but it's, you know, now there's just a lot, I, I, I get a little bit frustrated and I'm guilty of it too. There's a lot of email communications and Slack communications and uh, it's not nearly as uh, touchy feely as it used to be. Um, and I kind of, I kind of, uh, you know, would, lo- would like it to be like it, it used to be in some ways. It's it's gotten worse, obviously, in the since COVID um, and everybody right. being remote. But um, you know, it's still really valuable to have the kinds of conversations with you, as opposed to, you know, you emailing me questions or 
thoughts and me emailing them back to you. I think we accomplish a lot more by having a conversation. Um, Scott's going to stick around for after hours, and that's going to wrap it up for us this week here on Grilling at the Green. Keith Jarvis from Keith Jarvis Golf up in New Jersey. Same place they make uh, picante sauce, I think. Anyway, Keith will be here next week with us. And Scott, thank you so much for joining us here. Hey, thanks. Thank you very much, JT, for having me again. No worries. We'll be back next week. Get out there and play some golf. Have fun and be kind to each other, everybody. Take care. Grilling at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group, all rights reserved.